My wife and I bring greetings to you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, we had a wonderful visit up there for the last day of Unleavened Bread and then the weekly Sabbath and then the Tomorrow's World special presentation the next day and then taping three television programs Monday and Tuesday. Uh, we did take Wednesday off and uh, anyway, we're back here and happy to be back here in Charlotte. There are several, as you show on your church bulletin, there are several special presentations going on. Uh, so you want to take a look at the back of your church bulletin and be praying for those. Dr. Winnell will be in Winchester. Uh, Mr. Gerald Weston was to give a follow-up TWSP to my lecture last uh, Sunday, or last, uh, yes, Sunday, last night. And uh, then Mr. Winston Goss will be a third one uh, next Friday night there in Mississauga, or actually in Toronto, in the Scarborough area. So things are going very well. They have a beautiful new office up there with two suites. In the back of each suite is a kind of a, a warehouse area. Uh, one of those is used for printing and uh, publishing and actually distributing, mailing out our booklets. And the other one is a modern television studio. So they're doing very well, have an excellent team, and we're very thankful to have had the opportunity to visit them. When we came back on the airplane uh, Thursday night uh, from Toronto to Charlotte, uh, by the way, it's only an hour and 30-minute flight, so uh, you're welcome to uh, fly up to Toronto more frequently, although they do allow uh, two hours from gate to gate. But the plane was just packed uh, full, not one empty seat coming from uh, Toronto to Charlotte uh, Thursday night. It reminds me of what Daniel said in Daniel 12 in verse 4, what was told Daniel, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. And as we travel from airport to airport, we see that's so very true in these end times. We are living in a dangerous time, a time of stress and worry. Uh, many fear that they will lose their jobs or lose their home to foreclosure. Uh, yesterday, the, the Wall Street Journal on the front page had this headline, Economic Reports Fan Fears, Dimmer Jobs Picture, and Sluggish Home Sales Cast Doubt on Recovery's Footing. And the New York Times yesterday on its front page had a similar headline, Rising Fears That Recovery May Once More Be Faltering. So, brethren, how many fears and phobias do you have? Or have you already overcome your anxieties with faith? If you'll turn to Job, the third chapter, Job 3. We'll see that Job had some fears. And uh, there are many common fears. The survey showed here by Health News, most fear the dentist root canals. And this is from March 27th, uh, 2009. 54% say they are afraid of getting a root canal compared to 57% who say they are afraid of flying on an airplane during a storm, and 42% say they fear public speaking. Public speaking has over the years been one of the number one fears in the United States. One-third of survey respondents admit that they fear their fear of the dentist is based on hearing about someone else's experience rather than on their own. 
Ironically, the survey also shows most people who have had root canal treatment performed by a specialist report it actually was a positive experience. Well, Job may not have had that same kind of positive experience. Uh, He had something more challenging than a root canal. Job 3 and verse 25. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. We have the expression of self-fulfilling prophecy. In this case, it was a self-fulfilling fear. And many of us have fears. Job did not take the strategy of asking God's intervention. And some of us, I don't know, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you had a certain fear or premonition, and that fear or premonition came to pass? Maybe you should have done something in the meantime. We'll talk about that a little later. But first, let's take a look at some of the common fears that Americans and others around the world experience. Nearly four in ten Americans still fear walking alone at night. And that's a Gallup poll, November 5th, 2010. Women are more fearful than men at all income levels. Then from Forbes magazine, December 14th, 2006, an article titled, Our Most Common Fears. According to the Anxiety Disorders Association of America, 19 million people have specific phobias such as crossing bridges or tunnels. 15 million have a social phobia, for example, public speaking. And 2 million have agoraphobia when sufferers avoid places where they previously had a panic attack. Those who have had one phobia likely have others too. So we're all human, and we're all susceptible to fears and phobias, yet God has called us to live by faith. So how can we overcome our worries, anxieties, phobias, and fears? Of course, God's Word and His power give us the answer. The title of the sermon today is Overcoming Your Fears and Phobias. And this will be part one. Part two will be Overcoming Your Frustrations. But today we'll talk about overcoming fears and phobias. What is a phobia? The definition is an irrational, persistent fear of a particular object or a class of objects. Now, if you ever go on the Internet and you do a search and you put list of phobias, you'll find hundreds of phobias listed uh, in alphabetical order. I'll just share a few of them with you. Triskaidekaphobia. How many of you know what that is? I think some of you do. Only three or four? Oh, no. It's the fear of the number 13. Triskaidekaphobia, I think. Obvious. Um, Octophobia. The fear of the number 8. And this one we all need to know. Hexacosioi hexaconta hexaphobia. Fear of the number 666. And then there's ilurophobia, fear of cats, agoraphobia, which we mentioned before, fear of open spaces or being crowded in uh, public places like markets or being fear of that, fear of leaving a safe place. Acousticophobia is fear of noise, acrophobia, fear of heights, astrophobia, fear of stars or celestial space, seronophobia, Fear of thunder and lightning, all called, also called astrophobia, 
or astrophobia. Claustrophobia, uh, some of you may have had that, uh, fear of confined spaces. Cynophobia, fear of dogs or rabies. Ophidiophobia, fear of snakes. I don't know uh, how many of you do not have ophidiophobia. <laughs> Pyrophobia, fear of fire. Nyctophobia, fear of the dark or of night. Now, this one is really unusual and one you probably will remember. Arichabutrophobia. Arichabutrophobia. That is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> now, I, I, I really would like to take a survey, but I don't want to embarrass anyone. How many of you have one or more of those particular phobias? But the solution to the fears and phobias, one of the greatest solutions, of course, appears, uh, appears four times in the Bible. Uh, let's look at Habakkuk, the second chapter, Habakkuk 2. And here we're going to see the repetition of a principle that God gives. And whenever God repeats something, we know that it's very important. Habakkuk 2, verse 4. Behold the proud... His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The principle is to live by faith. That is a solution for overcoming fears and phobias. The next reference is Romans 1 and verse 17. Romans 1, verse 17. For in it, speaking of the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, Romans 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith. If you have a chain reference, you might want to write next to it Galatians 3 and verse 11 as we turn there. Galatians 3, verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is, is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And then God gives it to us a third time in the New Testament in Hebrews 10, Verse 38, Hebrews 10, we might start in verse 37, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. We must always be alert, and we're wanting and praying that the kingdom will come and that Christ will return. He will not tarry. Verse 38, Hebrews 10, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, you've heard quite a few sermons on faith because it's vital and it's very important. Number 324 is live each day by faith in our sermon library. Number 480, the fight of faith. Number 526, fasting and faith. Number 588, uh, living faith by Mr. Hernandez. And number 684, a must play by Dr. Meredith, grow in faith. So we can overcome but we must grow in faith and think about it every single day. For the remaining part of the sermon, I want to give you seven strategies to overcoming your fears. Number one is to live each day by faith. Turn to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 15.
2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. We heard a sermon a couple weeks ago on living faith. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So God says that we are to be renewed day by day. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. Let's turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4. As we live each day by faith, we need to be renewed each day. Ephesians 4, verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, that is, the ways of the world of greediness, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness." So we must be renewing our minds, renewing our faith day by day. Number one strategy is live each day by faith. Number two, we saw in Job, is to acknowledge our, our fears and our worries and our anxieties. You'll turn to Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, Proverbs 22. Many people, again, run from the reality, and as a result, pay the penalty. But a wise man sees the evil to come and prepares. He hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. That's Proverbs 22 and verse 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And that's repeated in... Proverbs 27 and verse 12. In his book, How to Live 365 Days a Year, uh, Dr. Schindler coined the expression EII, emotionally induced illness. In other words, all illnesses are not as a result of uh, pestilence or some kind of uh, bacteria. But sometimes we can induce our own illness through emotionally induced illness. Have you ever made yourself sick with worry? I can but look back in my life and realize, yes, um, the past time I did make myself sick with worry. Number two here is to acknowledge your fears and educate yourself. But you need to know that your worry can induce illness. <clears throat> there are various Labels for a certain kind of uh, psychological or psychosomatic illness. You know what a hypochondriac is. It's one who continually is complaining about imaginary ills. Some of us are insomniacs, bothered with sleeplessness. Although when you read Ecclesiastes, it says the work, the sleep of a working man is, is sweet, whether he be rich or whether he be poor. Dipsomaniac, it's a compulsion to drink and get drunk. A melancholiac, 
is characterized by despondency, gloom, and depression. A paranoiac, paranoiac, has delusions of persecution. I guess you heard about the paranoid who said, uh, oh, how did it go? He said, uh, help, help, the paranoids are after me. But And the cynic, of course, says insecurity is better than no security at all. But we need to educate ourselves by being prepared for whatever may happen in the future. We've had several sermons on the matter of preparation. We just read Proverbs 22 in verse 3, and we've emphasized the matter of uh, being prepared for hurricanes, particularly in this area. Uh, been devastated in the past by a major hurricane and, of course, tornadoes. I gave the TWSP in uh, Dallas and uh, warned about the natural disasters, and shortly after that, uh, they had a whole flurry of uh, tornadoes that came into the Dallas and uh, mid-Texas uh, area. So are you prepared? I've asked you many times before. You have one week's worth of uh, drinking water available to prepare. So number two is acknowledge your fears and educate yourself. Uh, we pre- we've again encouraged you to prepare for emergencies and natural disasters. Number three is to look to God for deliverance. We heard in the sermonette about uh, the plagues of Egypt. Turn back to Exodus, the 14th chapter, Exodus 14. Exodus 14 and verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then verse 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. So it's hard to say when someone tells you don't be afraid and you're already afraid, how do you make that connection? How do you make that transition? Through faith. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Eternal will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. So there are times when God says, stand still, and there are times when God says, go forward. Verse 15, And the Eternal said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. So there may be, there are other no-win situations. You know of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know about Daniel and the lion's den. And when we read these inspiring accounts about the men and women of faith in, in the book of Hebrews, uh, God gives us more faith. You know Romans 10:17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We saw the example of someone who did not pray for deliverance. Number three strategy is to look to God for deliverance. Job said, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. What should Job have done when he had that fear? He should have prayed for deliverance. He should have faced his fears and asked God 
to change it. And that's happened to me. I've had several fears at times, and I've asked God, what, where did that premonition come from? Where did that fear come from? Maybe it was Satan trying to uh, put uh, fear in my mind and seeing something bad happen to me. But I prayed, God, don't let that happen. And help me to be careful, whether it's driving or whatever kind of situation it may have been. Look to God for deliverance. A Gallup poll on March 29, 2005, had a survey, What Frightens America's Youth? Quote, for many Americans, the definition of fear changed on September 11, 2001. With the memory of those ta- attacks still vivid in their young minds, U.S. teens still perceive terrorism as a real threat. It ranks among the things teens fear most. And I remember back, uh, oh, I guess in the 50s and 60s, uh, we used to have in schools, used to have uh, nuclear war drills where children had to get under the desks. So there were times even back in the Cold War uh, when children had those fears. Number three, look to God for deliverance. Number four is pray about everything that worries you, and we've covered that in articles and the telecast several times. Philippians 4, verse 6. Philippians 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Now, when you get an instruction like that, be anxious for nothing. It sounds, well, here's an instruction, but how am I going to really fulfill that instruction? Be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried about anything. Don't be, we can be concerned. God wants us to be concerned and to take action when there are real threats and real dangers. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, when he says with thanksgiving, he's actually encouraging faith because you're saying you're giving God a request. And you're doing it with thanksgiving, which implies there's some faith there that you expect that God's going to answer your prayer. And you're facing your anxieties and your worries by asking God to take care of it. And, of course, you need to think about your part, too, which may include applying the fifth law of success. How many of you know, I sorry, I, I like to give you all tests, you know that, uh, how many of you know the fifth law of success? Let me see your hands. The fifth law of success. One, two. Oh, I can't see your hands. Oh, my. Oh, what a pitiful audience. <laughs> mm. Sorry. Mm. Fifth law of success is resourcefulness. It's the emergency law Mr. Armstrong talked about. And when you're facing problems... And crises, you look for resources. What resources can I have? If, uh, as in the case of my wife many years ago who had a, a tumor, I started calling all the people I knew of people who had, had cancer. And what treatment did you have? What approach did you have? What resources are available uh, technically, uh, medically, uh, financially? What resources are available? It's the fifth law of success is resourcefulness. And so you have your part. 
when you're facing a crisis or a problem, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. At the same time, you do the research. You find out what alternatives are available, what resources are available. And at the same time, you have an attitude of gratitude. You're thanking God. What happens then after that? Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So pray about everything that worries you. Might hold your place there. And turn back to, we'll be coming back to Philippians 4, but uh, go ahead to 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. But God resists the proud. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, We read this two weeks ago in the Sermon on Grace. But God gives grace to the humble. So we need to be submissive one to another. Verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7, note this, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Again, Is that an easy thing to do for some of us? We want to hold on to our grudges, our anxieties, whatever it may be. But God says, cast your care upon him, for he cares for you. That takes faith, but it is a strategy to overcome your fears and your phobias. Pray about everything that worries you. Cast your care upon him. Let's turn back again to... Philippians 4, and of course you know where we're going with the next verse after we read Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, there be any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So God will help us to overcome those anxieties and those worried thoughts. Then he says in verse 9, The things which you have heard and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. When I told my wife I was going to be talking about this subject, um, she says, well, I want peace. So here's the way to peace. The God of peace will be with you. And the peace of God, verse 7, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And, of course, is it um, Psalm 119, 165? Let me just... uh, Sometimes when I'm giving a sermon, I have to do a Bible study to just reinforce what I think I know. Yes, I knew it. I was right. Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble, or in the King James, nothing will offend them. Great peace have those who love your law. And, of course, God's fruit of the spirit of peace is one that we all need to be producing as well. 
Let's turn back to uh, Philippians again, Philippians, the first chapter, where the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage the Philippians. Where was he when he wrote this epistle? He was in prison. Notice in chapter 1 of Philippians and verse 1, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, we are all bond servants, that is doulos in the Greek, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Now, you might look through the book of uh, Philippians. I would encourage all of you that are anxious or worried, read through the book of Philippians. Because Paul was in prison at this time, and he's encouraging others to have a positive attitude. Request for you all with joy, for, and he has joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Again, one of God's awesome promises that you can claim. That wherever you are, whatever state of spiritual maturity you may be in at the moment, God will complete the masterpiece of creation he started in you. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have in my heart, have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of me with this grace. The apostle Paul was in chains, he mentions here. Verse 12, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So Paul's in prison. You think, well, that's going to stop the gospel from going out. On the contrary, he says it's actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident in my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So even though Paul was in prison, the brethren were more bold to speak because if he was in prison and preaching the gospel, they can be faithful as well to speak the word how? Verse 14, without fear. Now in spite of his chains, the apostle Paul uses the word rejoice in this epistle of Philippians ten times. He uses the word joy four times, and the word rejoicing once. So if you're under stress, you're worried, I encourage you all to read through the book of Philippians. And think about the Apostle Paul being in prison with chains around his feet and then still telling others to rejoice. Let's turn to uh, Philippians 4 and verse 4. Uh, Just one of the others. Uh, I understand that uh, Mrs. Loma Armstrong really enjoyed this, or this was one of her favorite verses, uh, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. We have uh, several sermons on the topic. Um, Number 134, Hope and Positive Thinking by Dr. Meredith, and Are You Positive by Mr. D. Barapartian, number 506. Strategy number four for overcoming your fears and phobias is pray about everything that worries you. And I do. 
Number five, resist Satan's influence. He's very subtle. He's deceived the whole world. He tempted Eve to the point she gave in to his reasoning, and uh, Adam followed suit. I just got a recent webmail, and you probably did too, how Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. But Satan deceives with enticement and terror. Uh, I, I won't ask you. How many of you, don't raise your hands, how many of you had nightmares? Well, I've had nightmares. I've had strange dreams, and I won't tell you all, but I remember as a little boy that uh, in our hometown of New London, Connecticut, the stores had a elevator on the front walkway. It was the way they delivered goods to the store. The sidewalk right by the street had a, a an open plank, and that plank would open up, and an elevator would come out so they could load all the merchandise down into the basement. And I, as a little boy, had this dream that somehow I got caught in one of those elevators and went down into the basement, and there was a witch brewing her potion. And I mean, I was terrified as a little boy. But thankfully, my mother rocked me in the rocking chair. And I still remember that to this day, that the comfort that my mother gave me during that, uh, because of that nightmare, uh, lasted a long, long time, a lifetime. So some of you may have had nightmares. Satan, of course, is the one who is out to scare people, and all the movies you see are just seems like they want to have the most terrorizing movies that have ever been invented to make it the extreme upon the extreme upon the extreme. I hope you all read the article, Dangers of the Occult, in the September-October 2011 Tomorrow's World magazine. Uh, the article warned about the ways of the world. The Harry Potter books and movies teach children the ways of magic, and magic is spelled M-A-G-I-C-K. They teach children about the occult and witchcraft, and yet some of our parents allow or even encourage their children to read Harry Potter. This is a book by Richard Baines, uh, Fantasy in Your Family, analyzing um, some of these occult books that go out, uh, such as Harry Potter. Here's what he says on page 144. In short, Harry Potter depicts a wide array of occult subjects, divination, clairvoyance, magic, with the M-A-G-I-C-K, herbology, potions, spirit channeling, and necromancy, that is, communication with the dead. As the Encyclopedia of Wicca and Witchcraft states, quote, the arts of witchcraft include herbalism, divination, magic, ceremonial ritual, healing potion, healing potions, and spirit world contacts. And that's from Wicca and Witchcraft. So is this what we want our children to be doing, to be exposed to the ways of divination, ceremonial, uh, ritual, potions, and spirit world uh, contact. Let's turn to James, the fourth chapter, James 4. I wouldn't be surprised if some of our children who are reading those books have had some of the nightmares 
uh, similar to maybe what I had, but maybe even more extreme. James, the fourth chapter and verse seven. Here's what God says. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So Satan deceives with enticement and with terror. But God tells us that we are to resist the devil. He even appears, of course, as an angel of light, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 14. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. Second Corinthians 2 and verse 12. I'm starting up here a little earlier. Verse 10. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Remember the... First Corinthians was a strong corrective letter about the uh, fornicator, and he was put out of the church, and now apparently he was uh, very repentant, and uh, he's encouraging the church to let him back into the congregation. And uh, he says, lest Satan, verse 11, should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices or of his schemes. So he's saying that we need to let him back in because we didn't. With his uh, very repentant attitude, Satan would take advantage of that as well. But he also tells us that we are not ignorant of his devices. Are we, brethren? Dr. Meredith gave a sermon on that uh, just a couple months ago, number 687, How to Resist Satan. We can overcome our fears and worries, anxieties, and phobias if we resist Satan's influence. Number five. Number six, to overcome our worries and fears and anxieties, is to choose the fear of God. Let's turn to Matthew, the 10th chapter. Matthew 10, verse 28. We often use the scripture when we're talking about the immortal soul, that it uh, is not immortal. Hebrews 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. So he says, look, don't fear man, but rather fear him, that is God, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell or in Gehenna. So, as the Greek has it, I presume, so choose the fear of God. In fact, the NKJ, the New King James heading is, Jesus teaches the fear of God. He goes on to say in verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground with, of, apart from your Father's will? And we see sparrows around us every day. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So if you're a fearful person, think about what God says. Take a look at a sparrow and realize God knows that sparrow. As we read earlier in 1 Peter 5, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 
We have a choice to, fe- to whether we choose God's fear or not. Let's turn to Proverbs, the first chapter, Proverbs 1. The book of Proverbs certainly is uh, an excellent book for all of us, but also for young men and young women and teenagers. It gives us wisdom. Proverbs 1, and we'll start with verse 28. He's talking about fools that hated knowledge, that didn't take correction from him, and disregarded God's counsel. Proverbs 1, verse 28. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Why? Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the eternal. It's a choice. And I ask God that I can have that reverence for him every day and pray for that. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? We reverence God every day, and we need to choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. Let's turn back to Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter, Deuteronomy 10. We've had several sermons on the fear of the Lord, and it's very, very valuable for us to pay attention to those sermons. Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter. Now, the the Protestant world, excuse me, the Protestant world says that, you know, God in the Old Testament was a terrorizing God. And, you know, it's kind of primitive if you fear God. But once you're converted, uh, then you love God. Again, it's the kind of mutually exclusive fallacy that's either or. Either you love God or you fear God. But what does the Bible say? Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the eternal your God require of you but to fear the eternal your God, to walk in all his ways, but you shouldn't love him? No. And to love him, to serve the eternal your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the eternal and the statutes which I command you today for your good. That's what God requires of us, that we should fear him and love him both. I won't go through all the benefits of the fear of God. That's in another sermon. Number 416, fear God and rejoice. But if you've ever done a study on the fear of the Lord, you will just be amazed at the incredible blessings that come as a result of choosing the reverence of the eternal. I'll just mention them. I don't have reference for them here, but I think they're referenced in that sermon, number 416, Fear God and Rejoice. God fulfills the desire of those who fear him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know that one, Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1 and verse 9. Let's turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 while we're here, and I'll just continue to mention some of the others. But how infinite, it seems, are God's blessings when we think about the results of having a reverential respect and awe of God our Father. Psalm 103, 
Well, I should mention in passing that uh, I have memorized the first five verses. I'll see if I can uh, recite it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who, I better, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, and who feeds your mouth with good things that your youth might be renewed as the eagles. That's the point of memorizing that. So your youth is renewed like the eagles. So I... Uh, when I can't sleep at night, I'll try to recite that and, uh, when I go to bed. But now look at verse 11. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the eternal pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Psalm 34, verse 7, gives the... Well, while we're doing it, we might as well go ahead and turn. How are we doing on time here? Oh, we've got plenty of time. So on uh, Psalm 34 and verse 7, see some of these other promises of God that come through a reverential respect and awe of Him. Psalm 37, 4. 34-7. 37-4 is that other fantastic promise. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So 37-4 and 34-7 are incredible verses in the Bible. 34-7. The angel of the eternal encamps all around those who fear him and delivers him. God protects us with angels for those who have that reverence and that godly fear. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Verse 9, Psalm 34. Oh, fear the eternal, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the eternal shall not lack any good thing. And you know the promise of the uh, Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 13, that if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And the parallel account in Matthew says, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? So God is going to give us good things as our Father if we have that obedience, that respect, that responsiveness, and that we really want to do His will. These are some of the benefits of a godly fear. Let me take a look at uh, a couple more here. Uh, Proverbs uh, 14:26. Let's turn to that. Proverbs 14 and verse 26. Many people lack confidence. And say, well, I don't have the faith. I don't have the confidence that I should have. Here's one of the benefits of a godly fear. Proverbs 14, verse 26. In the fear of the eternal, 
there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. I didn't even notice this. I didn't plan for that. But verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn away from the snares of death. So God's fear is beneficial. Number six in overcoming your phobias and worries and anxieties and fears is choose the fear of God. Number six. Number seven is to ask God for more of his love. Number seven, ask God for more of his love. Let's turn to 1 John 4, uh, verse 18. 1 John 4, verse 18. Well, I know why we have so much time. We didn't have special music this time. So, uh, sorry, uh, well, Mr. Lee, you should have sung for us. 1 John 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness, not fear, but boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Because Christ is in us, as it tells us in 1 John 2.28. And how do we know that? By the Spirit that He's given us. And that's 1 John... Well, I'll just read that, but uh, hold your place there. 1 John 2.28. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His appearance. So we abide in Him and He in us. Back here in 1 John 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So if you have fear and anxiety, perhaps there's something missing. And perhaps it's the love of God. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now let's understand the distinction between a regular fear that we should have of dangers. We should always, as we read in Proverbs, that... The prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. So we need to have that kind of, of uh, wisdom and awareness of danger. We teach our children the, the uh, threats of danger and possible um, causes of accidents that might uh, injure them. I remember working uh, for Chicago Bridge and Iron Company uh, years ago as an engineering trainee. We had to wear uh, hard hats. I was working at a... Uh, it was called a Horton sphere. It was building a, an 80-foot diameter steel sphere uh, to hold uh, liquid, uh, to hold gas. And uh, as we were framing it, I was walking around one time on a scaffolding, and there would be these uh, uh, welded nuts that would stick out on the side. And as I'm walking along, I crashed right into one of those nuts, and there was an iron bolt sticking out from the side of the wall, and put a huge dent. Uh, right in my uh, metal helmet. And so you understand, yes, we need to have awareness of, of dangers. But when it comes to social fears, when it comes to phobias and worries and anxieties, he says perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Turn to... Uh, Luke, the 12th chapter, and verse 6. 
Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. But now look down to verse 32. Do not fear, little flock. Are you taking that instruction? Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's promised you all these incredible spiritual ultimate destiny type blessings. It says, so therefore don't fear. You've got these promises. And I've shown you my love so many ways. Let's turn to Romans, the fifth chapter, Romans five. Do you have that love that casts out fear? Romans, the fifth chapter, and verse 5. Well, let's start with the, sorry about that, let's start at verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to have anxiety, we can have peace, as we read through Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9. Through him also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Verse 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which, should read, was given to us. So God has poured out His love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Number seven is ask God for more of His love. God has called us to accomplish a work of faith. He's called us to overcome our doubts and fears and worries and anxieties with faith. God instructs us how to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. We've briefly discussed seven strategies for overcoming anxieties, worries, phobias, and fears. One was to live each day by faith. Two, acknowledge your fears and educate yourself. I might add, with God's knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1 and verse 9. Number three, look to God for deliverance. Job said, that which I've feared has come upon me. He should have taken action at that point and asked God not to allow that fear to come upon him. Number three, look to God for deliverance. Number four, pray about everything that worries you. I've mentioned in my telecast, which I just taped for Hong Kong up in Toronto, on strategies of prayer. I mentioned how my wife says to me often, well, let's pray about that. Oh, I don't want to pray about that. Okay, well, I'll pray about that. Just about praying about every little thing. Not every little thing, I should say, but that's what, what concerns her. And as it says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, No, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your paths. So number four, pray about everything that worries you. Number five, resist Satan's influence. And he is after our children. He's after our parents. He's after the church. We need to be on guard. Resist Satan's influence. As James promises, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Number six, 
Choose the fear of God. There are so many more benefits than those I just listed. I would encourage you to go through the book of Psalms and Proverbs and highlight with a highlighter the fear of the Lord. And again, find even more benefits than those I listed. Number six, choose the fear of God. Because if you choose the fear of God, you won't fear man. Number seven, ask God for more of his love. We have to choose to live each day by faith. We have to overcome daily with a spirit sword, as the song goes. And that's the word of God, Ephesians 6 and verse 17. So pray, brethren, for the love that casts out fear. Now is the time to make changes in our lives. Now is the time for us to overcome. Now is the time to live by faith. I was a part of the Ambassador Corral at graduation in 1965, and we sang this song. I won't sing the song. I'll give you the words. I'll give my hand to those who cannot see the sunrise or the falling rain. I'll sing my song to cheer the weary along, for I may never pass this way again or again. I'll share my faith with every troubled heart that I shall not have lived in vain. I'll give my hand. I'll sing my song. I'll share my faith because I know that the time is now to fulfill each vow, for I may never pass this way again. For I may never pass this way again. Brethren, you can live the next 24 hours and more in faith. Replace your fears, your phobias, your anxieties, and your worries with faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith.